So this non-household debt or non-housing debt is made up of four topics according to the Federal Reserve. Number one, student loan debt. It is by far and away the biggest chunk of the debt. And that's why you hear all the all this political spin. That's why you hear politicians talk about debt forgiveness and student loan debt forgiveness in particular, because this is the largest issue. And if you go all the way back to 2004 Q1, student housing debt was the smallest portion of the aggregate debt and auto loan debt was the biggest portion because you have student loan debt, other credit card and auto. Those are really the four components to non-household, non-housing debt balances, right? Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Once again, it is the Higher Standard Podcast, and I am your host, Chris. Welcome back to the show, everyone. It has been an exciting couple of weeks for me. I've been traveling a little bit, been doing some really cool things in business, but I got to attend a chief credit officer symposium in New York. And for those of you who don't know what the hell that is, I wasn't exactly sure either when I went. It was uh, Raymond James, an investment banker who um, we've done a lot of work with over the years, uh, invited me to come as chief credit officer of our organization and talk about what I kind of thought was going on in the economy, about particularly two sectors that that we tend to be concentrated in, single-family homes, multifamily apartment complexes, things like that. But I also got the opportunity to speak in kind of my general thoughts. But what was really cool for me was to be in New York City, to be surrounded by other chief credit officers, because I don't really socialize with other people in my space not to say that that I wouldn't, it's just that most people that are in the chief credit officer space are generally much older and a lot saltier, I guess, in some ways. And I've kind of come up in a different realm. It was super cool to hear their thoughts on the economy, not all of which I agreed with. 1,000%, I did not agree with everything that I heard. But I will tell you, it's interesting to see that we all kind of have some of the same overriding principles in the way we think about things, even though the outcome may have been different. But I couldn't help think the entire time I was there that this would be so helpful for just people in general. This would be so, so helpful for other people who were just interested in real estate and interested in finance to be sitting in the room and just listening to it. And, you know, we did this primarily for the other bankers, the investors that were in the room. And this is kind of what I would would identify as more like an industry event. But it, it was certainly something that I think that everybody would have found useful. So to that end, I wanted to share kind of some of the overriding insight that I think that they they provided in addition to my own thoughts on it and then talk about one particular 
interview that I saw just shortly before I went to the symposium, Brian Moynihan, uh, the CEO of Bank of America, was interviewed uh, on television. I want to say it was like Bloomberg or something like that. And I have the interview. I've got it queued up. We can play it. And he talked about consumer spending. And I was so pissed off that I was yelling at the screen. I was literally yelling at CNBC when they played clips of it because I couldn't, I, I just couldn't fucking believe that that his take on the world was was what it was. So I, I think the overriding theme of this symposium, other chief credit officers in the room who were responsible for ma- managing the aggregate risk of their portfolios was that we're all concerned and very cautious about where the economy is going. Okay, that's not new news to you, right? Like you, you follow my social media, you listen to the podcast, you know that I think stagflation that we're currently identifying the economy as is going to change to a recession or at least be described as a recession as of July when Q2 2022 reports come out. So that should not be news to you. I, I will say that we will look back, hindsight being 2020, and say that we are already in a recession now. But to kind of tee you up for the interview and some of the things that you're about to hear, I will tell you that, that household debt and the consumer reports as of Q1 2022 paint an interesting picture. So total debt, right? Housing debt plus non-household debt. And I'll explain, I'll explain what non-household, non-housing and non-household debt is. Going back to Q4 2020, or Q4, I'm sorry, Q1 2004. Man, it's been a long day. Uh, is that its highest level that, that I can ever recall seeing it? I mean, it is super, super high. Uh, you're talking, I want to say close to 15, almost $16 trillion in aggregate balances. So that that's a lot. And, and to give you an idea, this quarterly report, which comes out from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, and you can access it online. They got tons of data, tons of charts that most people don't realize is free. You can literally go to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York or any of the Federal Reserve Banks for that matter, and you can get a lot of data that you can kind of look at and draw your own conclusions for the economy. You don't have to listen to the news to get this stuff. It's literally out there for free. Just go to the website and all the data is there. They, they compile it. They present it, graphs, charts. I always recommend you go look at this stuff. I think it's super cool. If you're not kind of nerding out on it, then it, you know maybe maybe that's not for you, and maybe this is an easier way for you to get it. But whatever. Quarter report comes out talking about the first quarter of 2022 showed a solid increase in total household debt of 266 billion dollars to 15.84 trillion. So just just under 16, like I talked about. Balances now stand 1.7 trillion dollars higher than the end of 2019 before the COVID-19 pandemic. So mortgage and auto balances rose $250 billion and $11 billion, respectively, in the quarter, although originations for both kind of slowed down a little bit from historic high levels in 2021. Historic high originations in 2021. Credit card balances declined by about $15 billion in line with seasonal trends, which we always kind of see about this time. And they creep back up around the holidays because everybody's spending money and you know buying stuff as the year goes on. So that sets kind of the tone, right? Like we've been spending a lot of money. We were at highs in 2021. And we were at a total debt balance well above anything I've ever seen historically at $16 trillion. So this non-household debt or non-housing debt is made up of four topics according to the Federal Reserve. Number one, student loan debt. It is by far and away the biggest chunk of the debt. And that's why you hear all all this political spin. That's why you hear politicians talk about debt forgiveness and student loan debt forgiveness in particular, because this is the largest issue. And if you go all the way back to 2004 Q1, student housing debt was the smallest portion of the aggregate debt and auto loan debt was the biggest portion. 
Because you have student loan debt, other credit card, and auto. Those are really the four components to non-household, non-housing debt balances, right? So that's, that's really what they're talking about outside of your mortgage payments. So outside of your mortgage payments, auto loan, credit card, other student loan. Well, guess what the two largest are right now? Student loans and auto loans. Credit card spending is actually down. But I don't believe that that's going to be a, a long-term trend. I think credit card spending is going to rise as inflation rises and salaries come down. People get laid off. I think that's going to change. And as a matter of fact, there was a lot of concern about that at the symposium. All the other chief credit officers in the room were concerned about valuations of real estate getting out of hand. Now, none of them thought there was going to be a massive correction like the Great Recession. But I think the general consensus was a 10 to 12% correction in values wouldn't be bad for the economy and is actually probably a good thing based on what we're looking at now. Consider like Florida, for example, had about just under 30% year over year, year increase in single family residents and properties that that's insanity. So to see some of this cooling is interesting in my neighborhood. I can tell you before I went out there, I've been looking at homes. I do this every single, every single week. It's just kind of one of the things that I do. It's just a habit. I'm also a real estate broker. So I have access to MLS and I look at all the values. I can tell you just unequivocally properties are staying longer on the market than they were just a couple of months ago with these interest rate increases. And it is bizarre to me to see that some lenders are offering rates sub 5%, but I think that will change because you should know June 15th, that is the next Fed meeting. And I would tell you that a 50 basis point increase would not be beyond likely. As a matter of fact, I would say that Bloomberg has it at a pretty high probability, although I have not checked leading into this podcast. I know, Chris, you're a bad host. You should have done all your due diligence. I just didn't have time. It's all good. Let's just suffice it to say I'm... I'm Damn near 100% that it, I'll say it now. I'm 100% that's going to be 50 basis points the next increase. And it's going to continue to be that until above equilibrium as far as homeostasis in, in the rate markets go. So all this comes back to the symposium where we're having these conversations and consumer discretionary spending, we all agreed was down. It is the biggest sector that is down. So what is consumer discretionary spending? Exactly what it sounds like. The money that you spend on things you really don't need that you don't have to buy. Those those luxury items, the the things, the, the fun, the going out, the doing things, that those sectors have been down massively, massively in the last couple of months since the interest rate increases. Yet, despite all that, just before going to the symposium, the CEO of Bank of America goes on national television. And this is not a dumb man. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Brian Monahan. But I don't get this one. So I'm going to play it, and then I'm going to break it down, and I'm going to tell you why I respectfully disagree and how I don't know where he's getting his numbers. This is, this is a guy who's quantitative. He's a guy who's analytical, so he's pulling them from somewhere, and he's certainly he could probably get, getting them from inside his portfolio. But damn, dude, you sound like a rich banker who's disconnected. So let's, let's just jump into it, and let's just see what he has to say. Children too, but children. <laughs> not all of us. I do want to get your sense on the pulse of the consumer, though, because yeah. you really have a bird's eye view. Yeah. Do you find it a good time to keep seeing those credit card borrowings expand yeah. at a time when a lot of consumers are feeling crimped by inflation? So let's let's pull back and just look at it overall. So there are a couple key points. Number one, the account balance of the consumer pre-pandemic to now 
are multiples bigger. So a person had uh, you know, two to 3,000 average collective balance in accounts, now has, and that would have been about 1,400, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, one to 2,000 would have been about 1,400, is now almost 4,000 bucks. A person that had two to 5,000 would have about 3,500 on average, it now has $13,000. Okay, let's hit the pause button, right? What in the actual fuck? Look, dude, first of all, we all know PPPs out there. We all know there were eviction moratoriums. There were, I mean, people's student loan, even to this day, student loan payments are, are on forbearances in some cases. So is that a real number? Is that people making more money? Hell no, that's not people making more money. That's people getting more money from the government for free. And that's people who are not paying their bills they would otherwise pay. And I'm not saying that people are nefarious or bad. I'm saying that that's the opportunity the government has given them, but that puts them in this false world. They have this false sense of security with money in their accounts. And I don't even know where the hell he's getting those metrics from, because I can tell you, I haven't seen deposit run up like that. I'm in the space. I look at deposits. I don't know where those numbers are coming from. Maybe they're coming from Bank of America's portfolio and good for you, dude, but... I would say that's a complete mischaracterization of the consumer at this point in time. I think the consumers are hurting. So the stock market thinks the consumers are hurting. Discretionary spending as reported by the stock market is down because everybody believes that consumer spending is hurting. Everybody in the consumer spec, the consumer uh, consumer sector is is reeling from some of the stock price changes for that matter and yet Brian says that. And don't worry, Brian goes on to say some more stuff that I just don't understand. So just step back and think about it. It grew 5% in the month of April from March. So what you're seeing is consumers have more money in their accounts. The, the idea that they spent the pandemic money that came in January, March last year, just not true. Now, the second question is they pay down their credit card balances. From $100 billion we were down to 70 It's back up to 80 Lots of borrowing capacity. Lots of borrowing capacity, Brian. Really? Really? Okay, look, I would say that credit card spending compared to Q1 2022 to Q1 2024 is about the same. And you know what? I don't have to just say it. I'll tell you the number as of Q1 2022 for credit card was 0.84 trillion, right? Q1 2004, 0.69 trillion. Okay? The highest I see here is about 0.84 trillion. I'm looking at 0.86 trillion in Q, call it Q2 ish 2008. That was about the same point. And I'm looking here, I'm looking, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. Yep, about that. And then there's 0.87 trillion in 2019. So we're not far from all time highs in the last call it 20 years, bro. What world are you living in that consumer spending is under control? And oh, they have lots of capacity. Is that a good thing? Maybe you should be walking that capacity back. Maybe people shouldn't have the capacity to spend that much money because when the economy turns, everyone's like, damn, we should have seen that coming. Maybe we should have been proactive about how we thought about credit, which is what the symposium was supposed to get us all thinking about. And there were other people in, at the symposium as well who were like, yo, like this guy, I, I don't understand where he's coming from with his comments. So I, I'll take a, a bit of a different approach than Brian here. I think, yeah, people do have some debt. And I, I think that there's a lot of spending going on. And I think people are on this merry-go-round where they had a lot of money coming their way, a lot of spending they didn't have to do that they normally would have to do to pay debt obligations that were on forbearance. Some people didn't pay their mortgages. Some people didn't pay their rent. And some people didn't pay their student loans. And some people are just waiting on, on the Biden administration to forgive student loan debt. I don't know how that's going to happen. I've said it repeatedly on this show. 
I think that's a takings clause violation under the Constitution. You can't take from private companies or even public companies without just compensation, and you are effectively shutting them down because their number one vehicle is to make money on interest on loans. And you can't just forgive loans for the government and not forgive loans for the non-government subsidized loans because guess what? Now you're unfairly discriminating between similarly situated people or somebody who may have had a government loan at one point in time who now refinanced to a private lender because it was a lower rate and they were prudent, so now they're getting penalized. I mean, you can see there's a lot of nexus here that, that just makes, I don't know how constitutionally you do that. I would love it for, for it to happen. I just can tell you as an attorney, I, I don't see a path for that to happen without massive discrimination lawsuits. But I digress. Let's, let's jump into more of Brian's commentary. And yeah, there's more I don't agree with. Shocking. The point is, are they spending? And that's what's interesting. In the first two weeks of May, the consumer spent 10% more than they did last May. And that's over top of the payments that went out to pay taxes. So the consumer is spending, and tra- people say, well, it's inflation. 8% more transactions. Somebody doesn't... Use- I, just, I just swear. Yeah. I don't- yeah, they're spending more. Yeah, it's inflationary. Yeah, they have lost touch with a little bit of their income and expense because they're they're uh, if you're following your logic, which again I don't necessarily agree with. They have more money to spend, so they're spending it until they don't. I would say those are all bad signs, Brian. Those are bad, 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 bad. Layer in eight and a half percent CPI inflation, and I would tell you the things they would normally buy are costing more. This merry-go-round stops, my guy. It stops, but. Brian compounds it with more stuff that I don't agree with. Let me interrupt because we're going to extend this to 45 minutes. This is the real Moynihan, guys. This is the bank nerd giving us the operational stuff here. Bank nerd giving us the operational stuff here. Then I just must be the bank asshole because I don't agree. I don't agree. And again, he's a smart guy. I don't agree. This actually goes to the heart of a lot of the economic questions of the moment, right? Because everyone's talking recession here and stagflation. We were speaking with Bob Prince of Bridgewater. What you're saying does not scream of stagflation or recession. So that's this is that's why I said this. We were talking earlier. This is what makes the job, you know, the Fed's job hard and easy. Hard, hard, easy in that you have consumers in good shape, you know, not over leveraged. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're not in good shape. But I will agree they are not over leveraged yet. The uh, home uh, values went up, but frankly, the our LTV in our portfolio is in the 50s. Oh, yeah. The loan to value on average in your portfolio is in the 50s. Good for you, guy. That means you got prudent lending. But here's the problem. Is that the current valuation or is that the historical valuation? Is that in your entire portfolio? Is that your legacy portfolio plus your new originations that happen to be 30% higher in some areas than they would have been a year ago? How do I trust that number from, from you? If it were multifamily real estate, banks are required to get an updated valuation and at least updated cash flow, which refers reverse engineers via the cost approach to value and I'm sorry, income approach to value, what that property should be worth on the open market. But for single family residence homes, for consumers, what we're talking about here, that's your historical loan-to-value balances, okay, plus your new stuff on average, which I would say is a bit deceptive because what if the market does go the other way 10 to 12%? That's a big impact. And a lot of these people have home equity lines of credit as second trustees behind your bank's first trustee. That's, that's not uncommon in this market. And what happens when people get strapped for cash and they start spending too much and they wind up in a situation, they tap those HELOCs. We saw it during the Great Recession. We've seen it in every recession. Consumer spending winds up leading to larger debt. That's just a trend, and it should not be a leap of logic for myself, for you, or for Brian here. 
so to give you a sense. So, you know, they, they, the prices went up and people didn't borrow it out and stuff. So that's the good news. The bad news is what's going to slow them down. So if you look at TSA travel Sunday, it was over top of 19 by 10%. That's some number of people went through the airport. So what's going to slow them down? Yeah. So what's going to slow them down? Nothing right now. And so the question is, you, you know, so the Fed has this this very difficult thing of, of getting them to slow down without slowing them down too much. And then the second thing is the unemployment rate is really low. And so if you look at our Michael Hart, it's a great economist. You know, he, he's, he's, okay. he's got he's got, you know, he's got this year, you know, the mid to high two. You know, he's got next year, you know, mid ones. Uh, but it's slowing down the next year. If you look at his quarters, it's slowing down. So the idea is the Fed's, okay. the Fed's work slows you down. Now, the problem is he still has unemployment 3.5%. You're saying, wait, that can't slow, you can't slow. Okay, I've had enough of Brian for today, uh, and hopefully you have too. Look, this is not a dumb man. He knows his numbers. He knows his economists. He knows the business. But I disagree with the conclusion. And I'm not saying that I'm smarter than him. I, I, I can just tell you that based on what I'm seeing, none of this makes sense. We've already seen layoffs in non-mortgage lenders. I've talked about that on previous shows. We've already seen layoffs at Robinhood. I've talked about that on a previous show. And the layoffs will continue. I don't really think this starts to get impactful for us as a society until we start really, really, really thinking about this as a recession. And right now, people are in denial, people like Brian, because they're citing numbers that are still coming from a very, very healthy and artificially healthy economy. 14 years of artificial interest rate deflation. You have no elasticity in the economy. Just moving the the interest rates up by 50 basis points isn't going to do anything. 25 basis points to start, 50 basis points again. Guess what? 50 basis points coming up again. And then, then you're going to start to see some of the early impacts of a recessionary economy. And I know there's a lot of people listening to this who do not agree with it. That's fine. If you want to have a collegial debate about it, Feel free to send me a message. I'm on every social media platform you can imagine, and I'm happy to do that from a respectful place. And I would love to be convinced that I'm wrong, but right now there's nothing that I'm seeing out there that leads me to believe that this man is accurate. And yes, unemployment is low, but as you go through recessionary economy, as, as, as companies start to swallow what they're going to have to report for their Q2 numbers when they close in June and report in July of 2022... They're going to have to make pivots. And those human capital businesses are going to lay off people. People who are spending too much because they hired too much during very prosperous economic times where people were, quote, traveling more than they were two years ago, like Brian says here, or or, or spending more money and doing all these things. These things will slow down in recessionary economies. This is not new, okay? This is not new stuff. Why people are acting like this is not going to happen and why it hasn't happened before and why this time is different. These are the same arguments before every single recessionary economy. This is not unique to us now. Before the Great Recession, before the fintech bubble burst, be, between the, you know, the 90s, I mean, you name it. It has always been the same discourse. It's always been the same conversation. And it shocks me to see how people like, like Brian Moynihan, CEO of Bank of America, a, a huge bank, can actually believe this. And I, he's, I don't know that he's, if he, maybe he's disconnected. Maybe, maybe he's, he's just got data that, that he firmly believes is different. He's citing an economist who's a wonderfully well-respected economist who feels different about that. I just don't see it going that way. This episode is not really necessarily to scare you as much as it is to say that, that in a room full of peers, I can tell you at this symposium, the overriding thought from everybody there was they were concerned that we are in unprecedented territory that nobody really knows what comes next. And while we can all guess and speculate that it won't be a great recession all over again, it won't be a two and a half standard deviation event. 
it will be some type of correction. And it will have implications to how we spend, how we live, what we do, how we travel. And to, to cite all the things that we're doing right now where society at large is still in denial of a recession. So much so that we are calling this stagflation at the moment when I think it's already a recession goes to show you that even some of the most prolific economists who use that type of vernacular are saying that. And just now, just now, as I, as I record this podcast, you're starting to see some well-respected people come out in the market saying, you know, I think a recession is inevitable. I don't know that we can stop it. And it's becoming pretty, pretty common now to hear that opinion. A couple months ago, it was, that's never going to happen. So be cautious, be wise. This is actually a great thing. If you're one of those consumers who does have a little extra cash in your bank account, stop your spending, stop your excess, slow down, get ready. The next buying opportunity that you're going to see is going to make the next generation of millionaires. I don't care if you're worth 10 million right now or you're worth $10,000. I don't care what you're worth. The next buying opportunity is coming. And recessionary economies are the most ideal point to try to grow and build and and create the, the next version of you fiscally. And some people are born at the right time where they hit these at the right trajectory where they're hitting the job market and they get the opportunity to buy and it's a great time to buy. And some people, some people just have to wait for that moment and some people have to recognize it. You don't have to do those things. I'm telling you it's now. I'm telling you, it's absolutely, unequivocally right now. If you can wait 12 to 18 months, wait 12 to 18 months to buy a home. There are a lot of people in the real estate space who will disagree with that. They're realtors, they're lenders, they're all sorts of things. I have no vested interest. I'm not selling you anything. I'm not asking you to buy anything. I'm not asking you to do anything. As a matter of fact, I'm happy to debate the issue with you. If you can wait, wait. Because buying opportunities are coming. Interest rates will be high. Your payment will effectively be the same. Patrick Bet Davis said that David, yeah, David, I think his name said this. I saw somebody send me um, uh, one of his TikToks, and I couldn't agree more with the way he characterized it. I hadn't heard that before. I, I spun my my variant of that opinion, but I completely agree. You can lower refinance and lower your rate and lower your payments down, but you you're generally going to have a tougher time making up those hundreds of thousands of dollars, or you know, ten thousand or fifty thousand dollars that you overpaid for a property. And right now, property sitting longer, like I told you about earlier, you shouldn't have to overfight for property. And as time goes by, that fight will become less and less. Properties in my neighborhood that used to sell over a weekend are now sitting for twenty plus days. Already, with another interest rate increase coming, you can only imagine what happens next. Thank you for tuning in. I always love and appreciate the feedback and response that everybody gives me for the show. I, it means a tremendous amount to hear the criticism, both good and bad. So drop comments, leave an honest five-star review if you like the show, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you for tuning in to The Higher Standard. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on The Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.